Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. At no guys in a mic, nor is it two guys in a mic. It is one guy in a mic. Or should I say one and a half? Because David Olson is here with me to get this show kicked off and rolling. And I'm real excited for two reasons. One, it's because we've got a rock musician on the show later, and I absolutely love this guy, Mathian. But more importantly, because it is a football Friday, no no offense to, to Mathian whatsoever, but I live and I die football. And it's a football Friday, so we're going to have beat the schmoes. We're going to be talking all kinds of football. Also, Cubs got in a brawl last night. I missed that. It's too bad I was working, but hey, what the heck. I, I missed Obama's speech. I missed a bunch of stuff, but uh, life is good. And You know, when you have a birthday and you turn 40, all of a sudden everything seems, you know, a little bit slower, nicer. Now I'm a little bit more mature today than I was yesterday, and, and trust me, I'm definitely a little bit more mature now than I was yesterday. 888-463-6748. This is Joel Redwanski, the coach. We have no idea where he's at. He's probably tied up in his basement somewhere. This is Two Guys in a Mic. I normally have a big sheet of paper out in front of me writing down everything that I need to get into. Today, instead, I have one little leaflet of paper. Uh, I'm sure this is one of those. Th- oh, it isn't 3M. Oh, no, it is a 3M posted. These things, seriously, 3M made a fortune off of these things. Uh, but I don't have that big sheet today. I really don't need it. When you're talking about college football, Chicago Bears, this is the last show we get before the Bears' first game of the season, which is on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. I'm pretty excited is all I got to say. Uh, now, it's a dreary Friday, a little rain. Everybody knows I'm a kayak uh, tour guide out on the Chicago River. Looks like I will not be working tonight, but I can't go out partying all night on Friday night because uh, Saturday I have tours all day long, and I have made it a point to make sure I do not stay out partying before I show up and kayak the next day. And uh, I guess it's uh, my old age showing right there. But then I'm going to a show at Reggie's tomorrow to watch Mathian. So I, I, this Friday, I'm going to have off, and I'm not sure what to do. I guess I'm just going to sit at home. Well, I won't be sitting at home watching uh, college football because uh, uh, Lily the Lilacs family does not believe in television. So I'll be at East Bank Club in the locker room with a bunch of naked dudes trying to keep my eyes squarely focused on the television while there's a 75-year-old man right next to me butt naked laying down with, with a towel that should be closed instead it's open. Uh, so uh looks like I'm going to have an uh, an awfully fun night, but this is the first weekend of the, the NFL season coming up. And and David Olson, who was phenomenal last year doing his picks with Beat the Schmoes, uh, he'll be giving us picks later. So if you're a, a gambler out there, you might want to pay attention. And uh, also I'm going to be uh, giving some college picks later. But there is something a little bit different when the Bears are good going into uh, into a football season. And it seems like every game is more important and you know, I'm a diehard football fan and whether or not the Bears are, you know, like 10 and 3 in the middle of this, uh, late in the season or, or, or 3 and 10, I'm going to be watching NFL games no matter what. 
But as a diehard Bear fan, and when you know they're good and all of a sudden the NFC matchups are a lot more important because you start thinking, well, if they can win the division, home field, you start thinking all that stuff. It does make every single game a lot more fun as a football fan. So, you know, I don't think we have to keep our fingers crossed. I don't think it's any any luck or anything like that. I really do think it's about this team just executing and getting it done because uh, they have a heck of a lot of talent. And they do have a couple weaknesses, but I think for the first time in our lives, 1995, they had a pretty good offense, but don't forget they, they missed the playoffs that year because they were nine and seven and Rashad, uh, Rashan Salam fumbled about 11 times. But this is really the first time in years since, even in 1985 when they won the Super Bowl, they didn't really have an explosive offense. They had more of an offense that would get huge plays because they had such a good defense they could risk stuff and take advantage of you and they would hit Willie Galt deep and do a flea flicker with, uh, you know, Walter Payton throwing a, a bomb somewhere. But this is the first time in my life that this offense has a chance to be top tier, explosive, like literally, oh, uh, they, the defense gave up 30 points today. The offense will score 31. I actually believe it, and they can score 31 without going out of their shell of uh, of being like the you know the typical bear team. So it's good. It's good to be a bear fan right now. I'm I'm really excited, and they're going to have to prove it on the field. And a, a couple good preseason halves or quarters or drives doesn't mean anything on paper. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, but this is a new era of offense in the NFL, and you have to be able to throw the ball, and you have to be able to uh, convert third downs and third and long situations. And I, I think this is the type of team that's going to be able to do it. And uh, every once in a while, as as Bear fans, you know, you, you got to temper down whenever you get excited because it seems like in years past, uh, when we thought the Bears were going to be good and they were predicted to do well, we have been smacked down and realized that either the year before was just an aberration or all these things that uh, us Chicago media types and, and football fans get so hyped up about. Maybe we look too far into it. But if you look at how the Bears match up to the other teams in the NFC, if, if you think of the NFC East, that's typically where the power is. Uh, the Bears match up against the Giants. They match up against the Cowboys. The Redskins have a rookie quarterback. I don't care how good you know, the kid is going to be. And the Eagles, well, the Eagles are going to have to prove it, even though I do think they are the best team out in the East this year. Uh, out West, the Niners, the Seahawks, the Rams, they don't, they don't scare me whatsoever. Down South, none of those teams scare me. The, the Bears match up to the, to the Falcons. They can play a lot better defense than them. Uh, the, the Saints, this is going to be one of those years where either it's one of the greatest stories in the history of football where a bunch of guys rally together and prove that they couldn't do it two years in a row, but they might be able to do the 93-94 uh, Chicago Bulls deal where Michael Jordan wasn't there and they just go out and prove to everybody that they were more than just Michael Jordan. Well, if there's any team that if you can say is like, obviously Drew Brees is the superstar, but the, for a, a head coach to get credit for a team winning, Sean Payton deserves as much as pretty much any coach when they won the 9 Super Bowl when you consider that. That was like a bunch of real good players that he was able to diversify and, and get together. Uh, well, if he gets a lot of credit for it. He was coach of the year. So if the Saints can rally together and, and be one, well, they could be one heck of a heck of a team, but I still think the Bears are better than them. Buccaneers are horrible. And then you look at the, the Bears division. I know everybody wants to pat the Packers on the back and, and the Packers, the Cowboys, you know, the teams like this. 
whenever they look good, and especially if they've won recently, everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon and talk about how great they are. The Packers have serious and legitimate holes. And if you don't believe me, don't forget that about three weeks ago they signed Cedric Benson. So that's if you don't think they have holes, they they definitely do. Um, now, the best thing about Cedric Benson for him is you don't have to drive very far in Green Bay to get anywhere. But the bad thing for him is if you're going to be smart, Cedric, there's not really good cab service in the – he might want to get himself – he needs to put a want ad out for a guy to pay him like – $3,000 over the next three months to just be his personal driver. I'm sure there's a sober person somewhere in upper Wisconsin that would love to be able to drive a Packer around uh, the city of Green Bay. I just thought I'd, I'd throw that out there. So the, the Packers have holes. The Vikings, if the Vikings win six games this year, what, what's something crazy I can do? How about this? Normally people are like, I'll shave my head. If the Vikings win six football games this year, I should say seven because that isn't double-digit losses. But I'll just say six. They're horrible. If they, if they win six games this year, I'm going to grow my hair in and look like Bozo the Clown for at least a week. I will not shave my head for at least a week because I look freaking horrible when I let my hair grow out on the side. So that's the exact opposite. Normally our people are saying, oh, shave my head. I'll let my hair grow in, and I'm butt ugly. So the Vikings are out of it. Detroit, you know, you know what Detroit's going to do this year? Detroit is going to be real good early, but you're going to worry about them because they commit stupid penalties. Matt Stafford is going to be on pace to break every single passing record ever. Sammy Ball is going to raise from the dead and call him the greatest quarterback he ever saw. And then out of nowhere, he's going to break his pinky on his throwing hand. He's going to be out for six weeks, and the Lions are going to go one and five during that time. And when he comes back, they'll win two more games and they'll miss the playoffs at being nine and seven. Matt Stafford will take less than, uh, two thirds of his team snaps this year. The Lions are out of it. Seriously, Lions are really, really good and somehow Stafford's going to get hurt. That leaves the Bears. Bears are in a real good division. They're in the best in the North. They match up with the Packers. They can get, uh, the, the Packers don't have a running game. And if you become one dimensional, I don't care what anybody says. I know the Packers have beaten the Bears more often than the Bears have when Aaron Rodgers has been there. There's no team that defends Aaron Rodgers better than the Chicago Bears do. If you if you really think about it, they have made Rodgers' life difficult. When the Bears lost in the NFC Championship game to the Packers that year, uh, don't forget that the Packers, yes, they scored two touchdowns on their first two drives, and then after that, Aaron Rodgers did nothing. Zero after that. They beat the Bears 21-14 because Caleb Haney threw a, an interception to a 399-pound defensive tackle, B.J. Raja, or whatever the heck his name is. So the Bears match up with the Packers. When the Bears are predicted to do well, getting back to that, and they are this year, this is what is what is I'm afraid of as I get back to the point. They don't typically perform well. They did in 06 because 05, the Bears had the great defense. They had... Kyle Orton managing the game and, and eventually they get Rex Grossman back and, uh, you know, they look like they can be, uh, you know, explosive in 06. They come out and, you know, they win their first five or six games of the year. Rex Grossman is like an NFL MVP candidate the first four or five weeks of the year. And if you don't remember that, look it up. It's true. He was unreal in the beginning of that season. You know, and then, you know, obviously things broke down, but they go to the Super Bowl that year. That's like the only year they have been good when they were supposed to be good. Literally since 1988, I'm not, I'm not kidding you, since 1988, when you think about the years they were supposed to be good, 
And if you think about the years they went to the playoffs, uh, Dave, uh, come up with if if you can look this up if you want to look it up the years they came to the playoffs. But they they went to the playoffs in uh, in 2010. They weren't supposed to be good that year. In uh, 2011, 09, 08, 07, all bad years, and they were supposed to be real good in 07. Okay, so they they, they that they weren't good any of those years. Okay, 05. They end up being real good that year. They made the playoffs. They were supposed to be horrible. There was no expectations. 04, 03, well, they were supposed to be bad. They were bad. 02, they were supposed to be really good, best team in the NFC North. They were supposed to go to the Super Bowl that year. Well, guess what? They they won their first game, and then they lose like their next five after that. They were bad. 2001, they went 13-3. and three. They go 13-3 and three that year. They were supposed to be horrid, one of the worst teams they were supposed to have. Well, if you look at the previous years, 2000, 99, 98, 97, they suck all those years, but they were supposed to be real good in 1997, if anybody remembers that year. Same thing in 96. Everyone's predicting this is going to be a great year for the Bears. They suck. They're horrible. And in the 1995, they go 9 and 7. People predict them to do pretty well that year, but they don't make the playoffs, even though they go 9 and 7. Uh, and in 1994, they go to the playoffs that year. They were supposed to be real bad that year. And they go to the playoffs in 1994. The years that they have gone to the playoffs and done well, every year they were not predicted to do well except for 2006 is, is what I'm getting at. If you look at the, the preseason prognostications, and years they were supposed to, they do poorly. So we've done a real, real poor job of predicting, forecasting how good the Bears are going to be throughout the year. Not, uh, I wouldn't say me because in 2010 I loved that team. Uh, that year that ended up uh, losing to the Packers in the NFC Championship game. But getting to that, back to this point. Now, even though the Bears are supposed to be good, and that's why I'm a little bit afraid this year that the, the Bears do are, are supposed to be uh, one of the top teams in the NFC, I think finally they have balance. And instead of being just, and I don't mind this because this is a formula that wins, to play great defense, have great special teams, get the, win the turnover battle, win the field, uh, field position battle, and if you do those things, it should be easy for your offense. Well, hopefully this team takes that Lovey Smith philosophy, does all that, but instead of just having it easy for the offense, offense is like, hey, we're so good, we get turnovers, we have great field position, Let's attack. Let's start throwing the ball down the field. Let's stretch a field around. Uh, and also let's run the ball down people's throat and let's not, uh, let's be able to audible and do things like that. So now that the Bears actually have uh, a more explosive offense, a more well-rounded offense with the additions of Brandon Marshall, uh, power running game of, of Michael Bush. So now they can run it in, in third and short situations. Uh, the fact that we have an offensive coordinator in Mike Tice, who will now allow Jay Cutler to to call an audible, something that Mike Martz would not allow while he was the offense coordinator of the, of the Bears. The fact that Mike Tice realizes that seven-step drops, drops consistently as a quarterback make Cutler a targeted man to move him around and stuff. I, all this adds up to one thing. The Bears' offense is going to be significantly better. And if you consider if the Bears' offense is going to be significantly better than last year and they keep Jay Cutler healthy... They were seven and three last year with an extreme amount of momentum as Jay Cutler was breaking his thumb and ending the Bears season against the San Diego Chargers as uh, he was making a tackle when Johnny Knox cut the wrong way basically with his inside foot and ends up costing the Bears their season. Um, do you remember that, Dave Olson? Just want to throw that out there. The Bears season ended on a little thing, 
everybody, and you can say I'm crazy about this, but when the when the Bears season ended last year was when Jay Cutler got hurt, and the only reason why he got hurt was because Johnny Knox fell down, a San Diego Charger, the corner intercepted the ball, and Jay Cutler had a had to make a an interception on this. Johnny Knox stepped with his inside foot, making an inside cut, which means that his feet came out from underneath him. Think about it. If he just makes does the right thing, cuts with his outside foot, plants and cuts, he doesn't fall down. Jay Cutler doesn't get hurt. And we're talking last year at the the Bears are seven and three at this point. The remaining schedule, they go one and five. All those losses to Denver, to Kansas City, those don't happen. Okay, those losses do not happen. There was a, a another loss to somebody that I, I can't think of. Uh, off the Raiders, they lost to that loss. All those games were like down to the wire, yet they lost them. They wouldn't lose them with Jay Cutler. So this year, the additions of exact spots they needed. Phil Emery did a really, really good job this year, uh, not only of drafting, but of also the additions that he has made. And um, think about it, if you think about his draft picks that they've made so far, so far it's only the, the hardened kid that's out with a neck injury that doesn't look like he's going to actually contribute this year. So I'm extremely excited as a Bear fan just because when, when, you're, a, when you're a fan of a team, all you ask is for the organization to actually make the moves that make sense for the weaknesses that team had the year before. And the additions of, of Brandon Marshall means that all of a sudden the Bears have a legitimate number one receiver. And, and I, I, I have, I have found it funny that a lot of times people said, you know, Jay Cutler is the greatest quarterback the Bears have ever had. Is Brandon Marshall the greatest wide receiver the Bears have ever had? I mean, if you if you really think about it, I know he has not played in a Bears uniform whatsoever, but if you consider all the receivers the Bears have ever put on their roster, when you start talking, is it Johnny Morris is the greatest wide receiver in Bears history? Is it Ken Cavanaugh who played in the 1930s and 1940s with Sid Luckman? Is it you know is it uh, not Willie Galt? It would have to be Dennis McKinnon, Dave. You know, so, who's the greatest wide receiver in Bears history? Did Johnny Morris ever stab his girlfriend in the forehead with a fork? And I, I was going to get to that, but I, before I got to the negatives about the additions of the Chicago Bears. By the way, if you're going to stab someone in the forehead, it's a lot better than like stab. Well, maybe the buttocks or the forehead, just don't hit an eye. Okay, these guys probably aren't as good as the three, Sto- three Stooges. Speaking of the third Stooge, that would be our guy, the coach, John Cone, who is... I don't know where, why you are at work today, Coach. I don't know what the heck's wrong with you, but shouldn't you be on these airwaves right now uh, giving us some uh, football talk? As Curly would say, how are you, Big Dog? Coach, I had an extremely interesting day. Too bad. I would love to tell it to everybody, but I would be afraid that you would get mad that I would tell this story on air, so I won't. But anybody off air, you can contact me at thisyearman at Yahoo, and I'll write a nice long type letter for everyone that wants to hear I the story. highly recommend people to do that. The people often tell us our best material is off air. I've only got about a minute and a half, so i got to get my beat the schmoes fixed in, but Big Dog. Sounds like my love life. Great that you're in today. We do have a special guest coming up. Right? Yeah, we do. We have Mathian coming on uh, in about 15, 20 minutes. He'll be on their way. So. Absolutely fast. I don't know if he is, but absolutely wonderful. Mm-hmm. All right, ready for my uh, beat the schmoes? Yes, yes. Where's your beat the schmoes right. picks, Coach? Against the spread, so three games. By the way, take it easy on the brand of Marshall and Jay Cutler stuff. Let them play a game first. Oh, I, I agree. I totally agree. That My conversation yeah. was it's like I, I, I completely agree, Coach. I yeah. didn't get to finish yeah. that thought. Cutler's already firing on his offensive line. It's like, hey, take it easy, Jay. You do your job. 
He didn't you know, get he had four or five good games in a row in the Bears uniform before that. He sucked. So, uh, you know, let's let's just hold off on the Hall of Fame voting for quarterback Jay Cutler. Oh, I, I love when you actually tell it like it is, Coach. It's uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> all right, uh, game number one. I looked at all the NFL games, Big Dog, and I, nothing hit me. Maybe because they haven't played yet. I just couldn't find a hunt or a pick. It's, uh, I'm going all college, which is against my normal tradition. But the game one, Iowa, Iowa State. Uh-oh. And I'm picking the, the Hawkeyes are at home, favored by four. I'm going to take them, and my theory is they pulled one out of their rear caboose, right? Yes. In NIU last week? Yes. So psychologically, you win a game like that, you're coming home, you're, I think you're ready to go. So, I'm, you know, I don't know much about Ohio, Iowa State, but I, I like teams that came back and won close games. I like them the next week. Yeah, I usually take this game every single year. Always take the underdog, which is usually a good game. I, that, that that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense, your pick, Coach, which okay. is not good. I would give up for Arizona State at home against our beloved Alina. I hate to do it, but I am going to be objective. I'm not going to go sentimental. Pick number three, I'm going to go sentimental. I'm going to take Arizona State and uh, give up the three and a half against the Florida Alina. Okay. That's with Shieldhouse questionable. And then my final game, I could not resist. You know what game I'm talking about. I couldn't resist. The Penn State game? No, no, I got to, that, that one I should resist because I should have resisted it the first week. I got to take Savannah State plus the 70 and a half. I'm getting a hook. Now, is Savannah State, they're not even a Division <laughs> One team, Coach. They're getting 70 and a half points. Who are they playing? <laughs> Florida State. Maybe they'll go like, you know, four corners, uh, the Dean Smith four corners delay game and keep it close. How? I'm going sentiment. I'm taking the 40 and a half. Okay, you know what? The AD at Savannah State was extremely happy when he got the $1.5 million check from Oklahoma State and the $1.5 million yes. check from Florida State. How Not happy do you? Sure that much. Yeah, how, how happy are, it's, it's up there, coach. I bet you it's about at least a million. Yeah, I don't think so, but go ahead. Those, you got 100,000 people in, in one stadium, 80 in another, but, uh, oh, the AD is extremely happy, you'd have to admit. Yes. How happy do you think the quarterback is when he looks at Florida State's defensive line after what just happened to them at Oklahoma State? Not happy. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine the beating that oh, you as an as a football coach at, a, at an FCS program, you should not put two of these monsters on your schedule, especially back to back. You'll have nobody left. Yeah, have, even even the state, I don't think you know. You're all jacked up. You're all want to get excited about a game, and then you're playing against a team that really is not competition. Now, I don't know where you're getting the Savannah States because you know what? You're not supposed to be able to get lines on FCS versus FBS uh, games, Coach, just uh-huh. to let you know. I don't know where you're getting this line at. But well, everybody's talking about it because it's the largest point spread in NCAA so I could not resist. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you got to take it. you got to take yeah. it. Hopefully, that if that hook comes into play. When it's 92-3 to three in the third quarter, I'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got I to gotta roll. I got the smallest picks in. Have a great show, Mark. All right, Coach. Thank you for calling in. 888-463-6748. The coach drops off. You can join in, too. Now, Coach is exactly right about the Brandon Marshall, Jay Cutler thing. Now, now getting back to Chicago Bears. I, I I know that, but my like, if you really think about the history of the wide receivers and quarterback situation at the Chicago Bears, I wasn't saying how great they were. My 100% of my point is really, I mean, can you can't even – who's the best, the best receiver in Bears history, Dave, besides Brandon Marshall? It'd have to be Johnny Morris, a, a guy that basically ran eight yards, turned around, they threw him the ball, and he got tackled. 
Yeah, yeah, and, and it's by default because you got you got a couple guys that had like flashes of brilliance. Uh, you know, your your Marty Bookers. Had, yeah, it was an All Pro. Uh, I mean, I mean, excuse me, your Ricky Trolls. You know, guys that did it for a season or two, but not not consistently throughout mm-hmm. their throughout their careers. Uh, Mark Carrier is another one. Mark Carrier was a or, safety. I, you're thinking of Curtis Conway because no, that, that's who I'm thinking of. That was a, they were both Conway, USC yeah. guys yeah. and they came and they were playing at the yeah, same that, time. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, Curtis Conway was a bust for like five years, and all of a sudden when Kramer got there, he had like two thousand yard years. Curtis and you know I don't want to rip Curtis Conway, but you know he was a first round pick and wasn't wasn't all that good. As a bear fan, just shake your head and that's what it's going to be. And what coach said. About like, you know, temper. Yes, I totally agree. He is obviously neither one of them are the greatest in the history yet. But you think about talent wise and potential, like there's nobody that they've ever had better than, than Brandon Marshall. If they had, they were definitely underutilized whatsoever. And to your point, he won't be the greatest wide receiver in the history of, of Bears football if he decides to slap somebody around or I really, really, I, how many chances does a guy take? You know, how does he need? When a guy messes up once and he never messes up again for like five, six years, I believe he's re- – but when it's every year? They- right. And the thing that worries me is Lovey Smith's track record with troubled players. Tank Johnson, Sam Hurd. Um, God, there are a couple more. Yeah, you, you guys- forget Sam Hurd was troubled because nothing was wrong, and then you find out he had a multi-million dollar yeah, – he was yeah. making more money off the field yeah. than on. And that was going on under this coaching regime. So yeah. that, that kind of concerns me. It does. It, it definitely does. And if you think about Sam Hurt, okay, no one ever thought he was doing anything ever. There's this cliche about guys that have bad attitudes or, or aren't that good. And Sam Hurt had, like, the best attitude. People said he was, like, the hardest working, nicest guy, great teammate. But there's, like, this cliche, oh, let's see that guy make 400 grand, league minimum, 480,000 Somewhere else for the real job. It was, Sam Hurd was making a million dollars a month with his uh, with his uh, part time job. I, I no matter what money, Dave. I, I'm talking billions of dollars. I would never risk my football career. You know this this whole thing. I you know I I played college football. I've I've partied and done way too many things than I probably have in my entire life. When I would we'd have to sign this letter as a football player. You cannot do drugs. You cannot drink. During during football season, parties at my house, no alcohol for me. I said I was not. That's how much football meant to me. Seriously, that's this is what it was. Can you? Uh, there's no way I could risk a football career over. You know what? If you want to get into the into the drug business, all right, keep your connections. Uh, keep your connections. Save your money, and when you're retired, oh, I'm really done. I'm out of this. Okay, well, I'll turn to Tony Montana at that point. To risk a football career, to risk your life in general, that's one thing. These multi-millions, I just don't get the need for money so bad. I understand if you're not eating, you know what I mean, and then you go into selling drugs. I can completely understand someone in that situation. You're eating pretty well if you're an NFL football player. There, that's just at that point, that's just the the need for some type of exhilaration, some type of outside source of action. Because the, how much more money do you need? I understand maybe if you're making twice as much money off the field as on, it's kind of tempting, isn't it? Sam Hurd, learn. Uh, you need to learn something from that. Think about uh, Jeff Smoker was another guy. Totally different situation. He's a college football player at Michigan State. Uh, He's the number one quarterback on the team for like three years. He starts for three years. And they find out he's got this 
vast, vast uh, drug cartel going out at Michigan State. You're, you're the starting quarterback at Michigan State. Do you, do you really need money that bad? He never got an NFL chance after that, if you remember. They were like, forget him. This is the guy like set all the records at Michigan State, yet basically no one wanted to give him a chance in the NFL. So if you're going to start a drug cartel, beware, my friend. Be extremely, extremely leery. So hopefully this whole Brandon Marshall thing and the, and they can keep him in check. And uh, the one thing we I'll have to admit, since he started taking the drugs and admitted that he he admitted that he has some type of disorder. The only instance that he's had, uh, as was a 4 a.m. instance where someone, what, punched his wife and he punched the girl back. Like that, that's, I, I forget it was, how it, it went. It was some, it was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that but that's, an, that's, an, that's another thing with Marshall. You look at every single bit of trouble he's gotten into. It's involved the wife who he's been with since high school, I think. Uh huh. Yeah. Maybe he's not the. Maybe Brandon Marshall isn't the problem in this situation. You know, that's an just, excellent. Just floating it out there. Thank just you. Floating it out there. Thank you. I, I do appreciate that because that that is exactly true in this whole. Sometimes you got to figure out when there's someone ex- that you're extremely passionate about, they can inflare your your emotions greatly. So maybe she has to realize that her husband only has so many chances too, and that at 4 a.m. she shouldn't be talking smack to somebody in a bar, or maybe. Maybe she wasn't at a bar. Maybe they were in line at Golden Corral or no, what's the, so at Bob Evans. Cause you know what I mean? But, Cause they open early. Okay. So I shouldn't just assume they were out past midnight. Maybe they were up early. They're go-getters out there, the Marshalls. 888-463-6748. Just as Bears fans, just keep your fingers crossed that they don't end up, uh, smoking each other. Now we're going to have Mathian calling in pretty soon. I'm assuming. I'm assuming he is a rock star, David Olson. Uh, so, are you ready for your beat the schmoes picks? Yeah, I'm ready for my beat okay, the schmoes so picks. Okay, I, so I, I am not ready yet, so I have to keep on doing this. So I need to get yours down. All right, uh, and I've got them written down here too. Okay. Uh, game number one: uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning's big debut. Uh, Denver is favored by a point and a half, and I think Peyton Manning's going to open up things in a big way. Heck so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm all over the Broncos in that one. Denver, what? what I'm sorry, what's the point? It's one and a half. Denver's favored by one and a half. I okay. think they're gonna have they're gonna have no problem covering that. Okay. All right. Uh, game number two. Uh, Atlanta is favored by three at Kansas City. Taking Atlanta in that one. Kansas City is going to be a good team this year, but their defense is all banged up to start the season. And uh, Atlanta has a tendency to always start the street season really, yeah. really strong. Yeah, they have so recently. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a big bit win for them. And Michael Turner always has like a 200-yard game in the first week of the season. You know, every, every year he's just huge in the first week of the season. Yep. Uh, game number three, Minnesota is favored by three and a half at home over Jacksonville. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. Minnesota is terrible. And I think Jacksonville is going to surprise a lot of people this year. Of all the teams that were terrible last year, mm-hmm. I think Jacksonville is the team that's going to improve the most over last year. And, you know, I, I really don't think you're going out on a limb there. I, I, I like your pick because the most improved quarterback in the preseason was Blaine Gabbert, with, with, without a doubt. So, uh, Dave Olson is uh, still making his picks. Right now, he's he's not exactly sure where he's going to go with this. He's teetering either way. So you're going with? Oh, I'm going with Jacksonville. Huge, huge, huge. Yeah, uh, Jacksonville plus that three and a half is like that. 
like Minnesota could barely get out with a win at 20 to 17 or something like that. The, I, I like that pick. The only yeah. thing that I would worry about that is how Maurice Jones-Drew is ready to go early on in the season because of well, his holdout. They, Maurice Jones-Drew is probably not going to see a lot of action, but the thing you got to remember is that the coaches and the ownerships thought so much of Rashard Jennings, they weren't even worried about signing Drew. It was it was that like that. So he signed oh, yeah. the one year tender. Is that what they're at right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I mean he's gonna play. I I didn't. I, all I know is sold out ended earlier in the week. I'm not sure what they came to, but they they were prepared to go on without him. Okay, well, so, heck yeah, yeah. And uh, I I do know that he's only signed through next year. So something tells me that uh, Maurice Jones Drew is uh, got the the nine point five million dollar. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, the, the the automatic guarantee of the top five is the 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 franchise deal. They had they had to franchise them if that's the deal that he got. So yep, yep. I can I can look that up and we can talk about that later in the program because right now we've got a special guest. Uh, okay, you know what? Uh, you got to go out to Reggie's and hear this guy. So it's gonna be it's gonna end up being a real good night. So. We have a special guest on the line. This is some of his music. His name is Mathian, and he's going to be performing live tomorrow at Reggie's. I'm still gone from the night before, before the night ends, we'll be gone again. All right, Mathian, welcome in. Don't want to cut your song off. Uh, I don't want to cut your song off because I'm sure a lot of our listeners haven't haven't heard you yet. Hopefully that's all gonna gonna change soon. But uh, give them a little taste, yeah. uh, 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 Jamie's son up there. Uh, I, I really appreciate you having on. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm doing all right. I just just woke up. Well, I, I was. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, you're a night owl, <laughs> and if you're yeah. making music, you should be a night owl, right? It's better to do it at night, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, uh, first of all. Uh, the the great thing about you is the when I heard this I just I just had a laugh. The fact is you're from Wheaton, Illinois, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but everybody yeah. that that is in the Chicagoland area and maybe even worldwide realizes that Wheaton's the town you can't dance in. So to come out and be a musician from Wheaton, you automatically have to be a little bit of a rare species. How was it like growing up in Wheaton? Um, everybody's really nice. Um. <laughs> it's really, really, really nice, mm-hmm. um, and it is kind of uh, it is very, uh, very conservative environment. Now, how many times do uh, when you're back home do people try to save your soul? Um, that happened more when I was there. Okay, but, but yeah, now you're just living in the city right now. I'm, I'm I think supposing. they've given up on me. Well, not everybody's given up on you, which is which isn't bad. You know, as long as you got some people still that care about you, that's that's all good. So, now uh, you've been making music all your life. Now, why? What drew it to you? What like what was the thing? Do you remember like early on, like your love of music and and what got you into it? Um. Yeah. I mean, my my aunt Marge, she had a uh, she had an old guitar in her closet when I was growing up. Me and my brother used to play with it. But I would I would stay down there and try to teach myself songs on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was always fussing around with uh, tape recorders and and computers and little machines. And I was always intrigued with making sounds. Well, what was your first cover song? What was the first song that you actually learned how to do? Uh, on the guitar, the first song I ever really learned, and I, I taught it myself just by 
just by listening to the notes, um, was uh, Polly by Nirvana. Uh, that is a, an actually beautiful song. I love that. We it's, should... a really, it's a really messed up song for an eight-year-old to be learning. But... Yeah, uh, I, Polly wants a cracker. I think I should get off her first. I mean, seriously, what, eight, what eight-year-old is saying lyrics like that? I mean, that does, typically doesn't happen. So, uh, Now, uh, you're going on tour again in October. But you've been yeah. playing. Uh, you've been playing all over the country. You played at was it North Coast last week or something like that. And from what yeah, I understand, North Coast Music Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, we're at Reddy's tomorrow, and yeah, we just get off got off of a tour last month. So we're going on tour again in October. Now, I, I have to. I'm not trying to like try to like beat you down on on this point now, but it seems like music is going in a, a totally like different genre from people that can actually play with instruments and create their own music and stuff. And it seems like there's so much going to like these technos and like uh musics that I don't even like really understand, to be honest with you. Um do you think it's harder now for people that like play like guitars and regular instruments to actually break into the business as it opposed to say I'm a DJ and you just take somebody else's music and kind of like yeah, put something I, over. Yeah, I think it? I think it's hard to get that initial push from people, mm-hmm. and it's hard to it's hard to land certain gigs now. And for instance, like when we played North Coast Music Festival, we were a minority because we were <laughs> we were a live band. Everybody else that was playing there for the most part was just you know DJs and and maybe maybe a, a small dubstep group. Yeah, I, but, uh, I, I don't understand. So we'll, I don't understand dubstep either. Please. Okay, <laughs> I might agree with you there. Yeah. Now, I, I but, just uh, what I, I, I've learned is that once we get in front of those kids who are who are used to hearing that kind of music, um, is that we've gotten respect from them. So um, it's just a matter of getting in front of those those audiences that are mainly accustomed to uh, electronic music. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that because I, I really don't think like a former stripper turned DJ should be get credit for being a uh, musician just because like you know a thousand people show up at her shows. You know, that's that's not a musician to me. Yeah, I I, I can I can agree with that to some degree. Unless she's naked at the time, that's quite all right with me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> just turn the subject now. Uh, now uh, this week you're playing at Reggie's on Saturday night. You're going to be on stage. What about seven thirty? Is that right? Uh, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. I make sure I gotta get, I have to rush from doing my tours uh, on Saturday to get on there. So I might smell of the Chicago River as I, I go well, down to 2013 South State. Fast. I, I will be definitely doing that. I'll be encouraging people. And before I leave, I'm just gonna let them know, hey, everybody, if you want to hang out with me, I'll be at Reggie's at 2013 South State Street, just south of Cullerton. And, uh, I'll, I'll be partying over there. So. It's actually, Reggie's is 2109 South State Street. 2109. See, I'm glad I brought that up because I don't want anybody going to the, to the wrong spot. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, you're going to go on tour soon. Now, yes. uh, are you, is it a nationwide tour? How do you promote these things? Uh, well, we just send out flyers to the, to the gigs before we go out there. Mm-hmm. And we try to contact people in those towns. Um, but it's kind of hard because we don't know a lot of people, but. Um, we just try to find little ways to get our flyers around towns uh, that we're going to. Now, do you do, you, do you do all the whole social networking stuff? Because, uh, I mean, that's typically what everybody else says. And I, I can't do that. I cannot be on the Internet all day promoting myself. It's, yeah. it's extremely difficult. It's a lot of work. But, yeah, we do. We do. Uh, we have a Twitter account. We are, we're on Facebook. Um, we do all that stuff, yeah. Uh, how does somebody get a hold of you? How does somebody get a hold of you on uh, on the Twitter? Uh, it's just uh, at Mathian. At Mathian. M A T H I E N. 
And then our, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Live. Oh, very good. M-A-T-H-I-E-N-L-I-V-E. I've been on there. You got a bunch of your songs on there. That's a real good way to to definitely get a, a taste. And if somebody and it's what if somebody just wanted to go get one of your albums because you have three now, and I have the first two. You were playing uh, Jamie's son off a. Uh, off of the, the second one. I love that song. Uh, how do we get a hold of uh, one of your CDs? You can go on iTunes, um, Rhapsody, Napster. We're on all the major, um, you know, Amazon.com, all that stuff. Oh, very good. You can good. find us anywhere. Um, but the new record doesn't come out till October. I, I can honestly say I have not actually bought music through the Internet yet. I have actually gone out and actually purchased it. Like, the last time I bought music, I actually bought a CD. Went out and got one. So I'm still trying to <laughs> keep the, I'm still trying to keep the local record stores. I was the only person in there at the time. There was well, there was five clerks and me. That was about right. all I was out there. <laughs> so uh, well, that's good. At least someone's doing it. Well, somebody has to, I guess nowadays. Now, who who are your major influences? Anybody like that you look back that you, maybe not an influencer, you just love music growing up. Yeah, um, I'm a huge huge soul fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my biggest. Uh, my biggest vocal, I don't know influence, if it's influence is a good word, but um, I love Bobby Womack. Um, I grew up listening. My daddy was listening to metal when I was growing up, so uh-huh. I listened to a lot of like, Guns N' Roses and stuff. And my mom was listening to James Taylor. <laughs> so maybe that's why I got such a diverse uh, spectrum of, of influences in my music. Yeah, yeah. Genre. yeah, that definitely is like the like the folk songwriter, the 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 drunken bash on your guitar guys and screech as loud as you can, and then yeah. Uh, Bob, what does Bobby Womack do? I, I, I honestly now I'm in the dark here. I, I feel like less of a music fan that I don't know who Bobby Womack is. Oh, Bobby Womack sang a song in the '80s called "If You Think You're Lonely Now, Wait Until Tonight." That was his most famous song. <laughs> Oh, people always reach it for despair will always sell albums. Yeah, well, he always. was the king of that. <laughs> he was. Oh, uh, he was always mad at some girl. No, I he, got... was always, he was always in the right. She was always in the wrong. It was always their fault, not his. Well, isn't that the, well, if you're going to write a song, it might as well be that because uh, whatever Adele or whatever, I, I can't name one song off there, but that was like the whole album that she got a, a Grammy for was just basically saying, oh, my ex was horrible to me and. You know, and now yeah. she wins a Grammy off it. So, have you done anything of that? Just write a song about bashing somebody in, in hopes that maybe, you know, just write you, your your heart got broken. It's somebody else's fault. Make it a real catchy pop song, and who knows? Maybe that's like the, the one thing that catches on. If you, you could sell out like that, have you ever thought about selling out and doing something like that? <laughs> well, that's what's great about writing songs is that you can um, you can take an emotion and completely blow it out of proportion. So maybe it starts with a. Uh, you know, small little seed, and then by the time you're done writing the song, it's this this giant epic thing about a terrible situation. When really, maybe it was just a small little conversation you had, or or a small little thing. You know what I mean? Well, if a phrase or like a, a something comes up that's real catchy, and if, even if it's a small thing, might as well latch onto it. Yeah, that's what's great about art is that you can turn it into something giant when it really might have not been anything. You know. And uh, talk about a giant. I know I was the the second CD that you have. You have a couple songs out of there. The first one is the night I was an alpha male. I swear to you, I cannot stop singing that song. Every time, <laughs> I, like seriously, like like I'm having a rough day, I'll just start yelling. I'm indestructible. That's how they may be. I'm not kidding you. That's so. Uh, like I have turned that song into like my my catchphrase, believe it or not. So uh, we're definitely going to hopefully hear that before the end of the show. And as cool. someone who drinks way too much Jameson, I know I don't. Yes. 
That that song, uh, Jamie's son, is extremely catchy because I can't tell you how many times I have done exactly that. Thought I was so cool when I was drinking, the night, but then the next day I, I look back and realize that I was a total jackass the night before. <laughs> Not that's what the song's about, but there's like a line in there about that. So yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you picked up on that sentiment. Now, uh, like, are you always writing songs? I always wonder about that because, uh, from what I understand, you got like 500 songs. So like, no matter like all day long. Something comes into your head. You just jot it down and be like, oh, that's a good phrase. Or you start whistling a tune and you're like, oh, I got to remember this because this beat or this melody is something that I want to incorporate into a song. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've always been, you know, writing all the time. I, uh, I, I write when I'm near my guitar. I write when I'm on the train. I write when I'm in my car, when I had one. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I don't stop writing. Well, uh, I don't think you should run out of things to write about if you're a writer. Yeah, I, I don't know why you don't have a car, but I got to tell you, if you just say uh, you believe in a, a green environment, that's all you got to tell people. Oh, so you actually stand by what you believe? In. That's all I tell people. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going green. That, that's exactly. Oh, so you don't have a car? Yeah, yeah, public transit. That's the wave of the future, and it just shuts people up. I don't realize that I'm just <laughs> I'm poor, you know, and I, I need to well, save money. If, if you, if you do ride the train, you realize that it's not just poor people riding the trains. It's all sorts of people. Everybody yeah, rides that train. You're exactly right. You'll smell everything from poop and pants to Calvin Klein cologne. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, 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 the train. It's amazing what you see uh, on that thing. And I'm, uh, speaking of, so you get inspiration from the train. Or the, is there a spot that you know I can just go there, like a spot in your life, uh, not just like a studio, but just a spot that you know you can go and you can get inspiration? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I would say the lakefront. Utilize the lakefront. And you gotta love the Chicago lakefront because, uh, Daniel Burnham wanted open river walks and lakefronts for everybody in the city of Chicago. And the major thoroughfare for the North American continent is the Chicago River. Yet somehow the lakefront has been kept open. So people like right. you can draw inspiration from it. So we gotta thank Daniel Burnham, the king of all squares in the history of the city of Chicago. For your yeah, inspiration. Because, uh, in in New York, actually, um, they had a, a mayor that that had that, but then he built a bunch of like highways over where people could walk, and it really screwed everything up for them. Yeah, it's uh, you know, an open uh, like when you're walking along the shore and a highway is above you, it's not as cool, and especially when you're worried that a bum is sleeping. <laughs> not, not, not that you know, they don't have a right to sleep under a bridge, but when they jump out from and scary, <laughs> it's, it's a little difficult. So. Uh, well, I appreciate it. So Reggie's 2109 South State and, you got uh, it. and, uh, Dev, I mean, it's, it's good. You're also, there's another band playing that night. Who else is going to be playing there with you? There's going to be two other bands, uh, Ballyhoo and, uh, they're from, uh, they're from out east. They're okay. like a, a reggae rock group, kind of like Sublime. Okay. And then, uh, a band that also fits into that mold is, is headlining the show. They're called Tribal Seeds and they're a reggae band from San Diego. Oh, very good. So you got uh, the West Coast, East Coast, and some down home cooking from uh, the city of Chicago with with Mathian right. there. So, heck yeah, Mathian, I do appreciate you coming onto the onto the program. And uh, seriously, you know what? Uh, the, the best way I can tell everybody this is, you know, you meet somebody. I met your manager, Danny Bonilla, and mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know, Danny and I became friends. You know, acquaintances. We're we're growing a friendship. And, you know, he tells me, hey, I'm a manager of a band. And I have to admit, I roll my eyes. He's like, you're going to love the music. You know how often you hear that? <laughs> Obviously, yeah. the representative of this guy is trying to tell me I love the music. He put it on, and I was like, not only did I like it, it's the exact type of music 
that I like, you know, interesting, a little bit offbeat lyrics that actually make you think a little bit, not computer program music. I, I was like, thank you, Danny. I really like it. <laughs> and, and I wasn't going to tell him if he put on some techno beat and some guy like putting up some crazy lyrics. So I, I would have been like, yeah, Danny, it's nice. But I had a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just really happy that it was actually music up my alley, Mathian. So well, thanks, Joel. Heck yeah. So I, I'll see you on Reggie's on Saturday night and, uh, Everybody, check out the the Mathian stuff. So uh, go to iTunes, go to Amazon, and, and get yourself some Mathian music. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me, Joel. All right, take it easy. All right. Heck, yeah, having Mathian, that's pretty good. Heck, yeah. And uh, I, I mean it, the night I was alpha male has now become like my uh, – it's basically weak people like us, David Olson. Who eventually do everything right one night. It's, yeah, we'll it's awesome. Sure we, we'll make sure we wrap up a couple minutes early so we can put some of that in at the end of the show here. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of wanted you to put it on now so I can actually figure out what my beat the schmo picks are. Can I do that? Because here we go. I need inspiration Before for my, my beat the conception, mix. I was molecular. I couldn't handle being nothing but dust. Then I was born inside somebody else. I couldn't stand it, so I fought my way out. I found myself inside a science lab Testosterone injections hurt so bad But this is how they turned me into a man On the night I was an alpha male Shots of gin and sold me drugs I was an animal With no cage to bind me Then I had a 100 sum With 99 girls Dip out the back door And now they can't find me When I grew hungry I had to kill And kept them wondering Would I still Be the same tomorrow Or could this be the Real only Real quick before we get to your Beat the Shows picks Going back to my beat, the Schmoes picks with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, with Maurice Jones, uh, Drew's holdout. He came back with his tail between his legs. He got nothing. He got nothing. He, he just got, he got nothing. He just came back. All right. He's he's got the same he's got the same deal he had before, which is I mean which isn't a bad which isn't a bad deal. It's four point four five million this year. Four point nine five million next year. But obviously he wanted more of a bump than that. Hold on, you don't realize he's got eight cars to feed. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, not so, fair. That is so, not so, fair. So, so, yeah, he held out 38 days for nothing. Oh, no, 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 not for nothing. He now owes $1.5 million in, in fines because that's what the old collective bargain agreement did. So he lost $1.5 million. There you go. Oh, my goodness. He'll be running angry, folks. Definitely, definitely if running angry. he even angry. sees the field because he's not the starter anymore. That is craziness. Wow. You before you hold out, you better have a game plan. You better have an idea of what you want to do and what the the end result is going to be. Well, that's why I definitely like your I do I do like your Jacksonville pick because there's something to be said about teams that don't bend when it comes to holdouts. They tend to have really good years that year. They're like, we'll go on without you. And all of a sudden, other players step up and they realize this is a business, this is a job, and if I don't perform, this team will get rid of me too. Seriously, that stuff like that, and the whole Blaine Gabbert thing, I, I do like. Now, if you're talking, want to talk about the end result? I'm going to give you a couple end results right here. These are my beat the schmo picks. 
for uh, the second week of the college football season. And if anybody knows me, you know one thing. I'm definitely picking all college football games. And the first game I absolutely love. The Miami Hurricanes are a seven-point underdog at Kansas State in Manhattan. Uh, this is not a dominant Miami team by any means. Kansas State's a little better than last year. But this is going to end up being a really, really good game. I do like Miami winning a close game. I'll take the seven points in Manhattan, go with the Hurricanes. Now, uh, this game, I, I see different point spreads from plus one, minus two, plus two, depending on where you go. So I'm going to go with a pick em. Just pick the winner, if, if that's okay with everybody. It's Texas A&M hosting Florida. We've all heard the SEC is going to run over uh, Missouri. The SEC is going to run over Texas A&M. There's no way that Texas A&M and Missouri going from the Big 12 to the SEC can compete with the athleticism of the SEC. This is Texas A&M. They cheat as well as anybody. Okay, They play at home as well as anybody in America. I do realize that this is their first game of the season. Last week, their game against Louisiana Tech was canceled because of the hurricane, but I'm taking the Aggies. Texas A&M as a pick a winner over Florida. If anybody saw Florida last week, I do realize they played poorly, and they're going to play a heck of a lot better in a conference game than they did last week against Bowling Green. But if you sleepwalk through four quarters and get a win, that doesn't mean you're going to end up, you know what, if they would have lost, I would have said, you know what, they might have woken up. Texas A&M is going to surprise everybody except the gambling public because everyone's like, oh, the, the Texas A&M has no chance against the SEC. They're going to beat Florida this week. That's a lock. I guarantee it. Florida's going to be shocked when they find out the noise that the 12th man brings to that particular stadium. Now, I'm kind of up in the air. I'm lost over stuff, and I don't normally take games like this. But Fresno State is way down. And Oregon has a chip on their shoulder. They really want to be a great team. And the, the best way, check out this stat. Last year, the second best team in the country for 20 yard plus plays was Oregon. Last year, the, the second worst team in the country for giving up 20 plus yard plays in the country was Fresno State. All I can tell you is Oregon's going to put at least 55 on the board. So Fresno State's going to have to score 20 in order to, to cover the spread uh, at that point. I will take Oregon and I will lay the 37 points. And I cannot believe I just said that. Or, Oregon is extremely good this year after watching them last week. And, and the one thing we know about Oregon and Chip Kelly, they'll call trick plays up 30 just to mess with people. That team wants to diversify. They want to do specialty plays. So uh, I'm really interested to see that. Now, uh, getting to the Bears, as I, we do the beat the schmo picks, uh, the Bears are playing the Colts this week. I don't know what the point spread is in it. I don't know. I, I kind of wanted to take the Colts in that game. I have a feeling. It's, uh, the point spread's 10. I would take the Colts in that in that point spread. I, I, I really I, would. I would. I would, too. I would too. And, and uh, I, I was thinking it was going to be like 12 and a half and I would have actually taken the Colts in that situation. But I, I will tell you this, if the Colts still are the Colts and cannot stop the run, which means that the Bears will be able to run and also means that Jay Cutler probably because of this would have more time, Colts are going to be in a little bit of trouble. I mean, they could get blown out of the water. See, going back to what you were talking about at the beginning of the show and everything like that, uh, with, uh what Phil Emery has done, I think it's more important what he didn't do. He really didn't do anything with that offensive line. And now, uh, now, do we know if Gabe Karimi is going tomorrow or going on Sunday or not? 
That is still that's uh, that's still up in the air, isn't uh-huh. it? Uh-huh. It is. It is. And you've got I mean you you've got no so you've got no depth of the tackle position. Well, uh, yes. it's you di- the uh, the offensive line was kind of terrible last year and you No, really- no, not kind of terrible it was. It was terrible last year. W- what did you do to improve it? Okay. The the things that they did to improve it, obviously there was so much that they needed. The power running back, they needed uh, they needed more pass rush, but they didn't really improve either. Okay, they needed cover people. They needed a number one wide receiver. Okay, so they give up some draft picks and they they get Marshall. They were able to add a lot of in those particular situations. You couldn't add a high draft pick to actually help out on the offensive line. What they did to the offensive line was make Mike Tice the offense coordinator, and now. Instead of having glaring weaknesses when you do seven-step drop after seven-step drop after seven-step drop, you can game plan around a weak offensive line. That's the addition they have. Okay. Uh, Would you say the offensive line was the worst part of the Chicago Bears last year? Yes, I do. I would say that. Okay, you made your offensive line coach the offensive coordinator. But... Just saying. Just but, uh, saying. When uh, you're exactly right, but it, if you think about the offense coordinator last year, when there was a glaring weakness, and he continued to play into the weakness of your line, okay, that and 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 from what I understood, Mike Tice wanted to kill Mike Marks last year, and and I don't blame Mike Tice for as bad as that offensive line was, because I'm telling you, I thought they have improved under Mike Tice and his coaching. I really do think they improved with his coaching. So. I don't, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm hoping for a playoff season, and I'm hoping that the Bears are going to be as good as everybody says they are. But I, ugh. your questions are legitimate. I, yeah, 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 you have legitimate questions. We'll see you on Monday after a big Bears win. Coach will be here. I'll be sleeping in because trust me, Sunday night's going to be a blowout for me. Peace out, everyone.